Welcome back to the Alt Personal Podcast, where we turn the good old saying, nothing personal, just business, upside down, and prove how, in fact, it's all personal, nothing is just business. Because it's how we use our personal skills every day that makes us happy, both at home or at work. And here we go to prove that learning is not an event, but a habit. Today, we're talking about change. I don't think we will ever be able to speak enough about this topic, mainly because it's all around us. So, when you're in doubt, ask an expert. That's what I did. I've had the pleasure of having Jessica Everett as a guest. Jessica is a change expert specializing in personal and organizational transformations. She is known for adapting formal change management techniques for personal success. You can definitely learn more about her on her website jessicaeverett.com or find her on LinkedIn. I posted the links in the description of this episode, by the way. But first, hear her speak about how change is manageable in small steps. What are the four personalities towards change? And think about what personality would you be? What you can do if you are uncomfortable speaking in public Well, that apart from working with me, of course. And um, how your strong skills muscles as a child may define your career as a grown-up. Enough reasons? Well, listen in, because here we go. Hi, Jessica, and welcome to the All Personal Podcast. Hi, Roxana. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here and for wanting to do this interview today. And because, okay, I already have an idea of what you've done so far, but let's start by sharing with our audience today what your journey has been so far in maybe a few sentences. Sure. I'm uh, a change management expert and, you know, this sort of came about through a very um, untraditional path. When I first came out of school, I did management. I was interested in management theory and and managing um, people and companies and all that sort of stuff. But as you can imagine, coming out of school as a 20-something-year-old, you know, nobody wants to hire you to manage anything. Right. Um, so so that didn't really give me a clear career path. So I kind of ended up into accounting because um, there's always jobs in accounting. It's a, it's a high demand field. It's well paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that sort of led to project accounting, which led me to the world of projects and project management, which I had never heard of before. Um, and then that really got me into project management, risk management, and change management. So I was I was in that area for most of my career, trying to find something that 
that really fit what I wanted for my life. Um, and then finally, I broke out into being an entrepreneur, which is how I found the right path for me. So what provoked that breakout? What made you say, was it a one day, one moment decision? How did you decide to become an entrepreneur? Um, it really started with the fact that I'm a single mother and I had a child uh, at home who was uh, three at the time. And I was working, you know, 40 to 50 hours a week. I was constantly on call. I had my cell phone on me all the time. I was logging onto my laptop in the evenings. I had meetings starting at 8 a.m., ending at 5 p.m. She was in daycare all the time. And I just, I knew I didn't want to live that life. I didn't want her to have that life where she was in daycare, um, you know, all day. And then we were coming up to school years and I knew that I didn't want to have to send her to before and after school care with somebody else and have to worry about them getting her to and from school and me missing her first day and all that stuff. So it, it was really that part of my life that made me try to find a career that would allow me to have the flexibility to not miss those moments and to have more free time to be with her and to have a better work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then you knew that you had some skills that you could count on in becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah, and it's, it, it definitely um, didn't evolve the way that I expected it to. I completely left um, project management and I started writing. And I just, I kind of stumbled across um, this realization that there's a huge demand out there for people to write content for websites. Mm -hmm. So pretty much any website you go on that has a blog or has articles or, or newsletters or any of that stuff, they always seem to be looking for people to write for them because they just can't do it constantly enough. So I... I walked into that um, with next to no experience, um, and it was, you know, it allows you flexible hours, so I was able to leave my corporate job, mm -hmm. but when you write for anybody, when you write anything, when you're just picking up these random articles and jobs for different companies, it doesn't really pay a lot, um, right. so it was very, very hard to live off of that. And I figured out in order to live that way, I'd be able to set my own hours, but I would still be working as many hours. Mm -hmm. So I would still have to work 40 to 50 hours a week. I just could work them whenever I wanted. So then that transitioned me into writing solely on project management and solely on change management and risk management because I, I was able to add my real life experience to it. I was able to add my education and my background and value that not just any random writer could provide. So right. I really got into writing about it first. And then from writing about it, I started working with um, consultants and with people in the industry and with large companies that are providing software or training or consulting or that sort of stuff. And so that kind of led to me branching out into other areas of um, other skills that I offer, such as speaking about it and helping coach people through it. 
Mm -hmm. And it's still related, it's still focused on project management or um, do you cover other areas in the meantime? I, I like to call it project management because a lot of people understand what a project is and you can kind of picture it as this one thing that you want to get done that has a clear beginning and end. Um, but really, to me, project management and change management are are hand in hand. So any time you want to make a change, you're undertaking a project. And, it, and that doesn't matter if it's a personal change or a professional mm -hmm. change. So um, I, I focus, I offer coaching for personal change and personal transformations as well, but I really focus on these big transformational changes. Mm -hmm. So the one-off, you know, how do I incorporate this into my life? How do I make this big change more than, um, you know, we can always incorporate small daily habits into our life as changes. That, that's yeah. not the stuff that I focus on. So you focus on sudden big changes, something that just comes out of the blue and people need to change something right away. Yeah. So, so if you want to change your career, you yeah. know, that's a big significant change. Um, that's probably the easiest one to give as an example. Um, you know, a lot of times for companies, it's they want to change their market focus or they want to engineer part of their business. Mm -hmm. um, for, for people, it's usually going back to school or it's changing a career. It may be um, starting back over after an ended relationship. You know, that's a big change. Right. Um, that sort of thing. I don't really deal so much in some of the smaller things like, um, you know, weight loss things that tend right. to be more of an ongoing lifestyle change. Right. How do you find uh, that people face change? What are their feelings about it? Whether they are individuals or companies looking to do that? What do you, what did, what were your observations around that? Well, even, even when it's a company, it's still people, right? So it's, yeah, exactly. either way you're dealing with, with either a large group of people or an individual or a couple of people. But yeah. um, I found that there are four different personalities towards change. There are um, the change adverse mm -hmm. so people who are very entrenched in their routines. They like stability. They're very comfortable. Any sort of change really unnerves them. Yeah. Um, there are, the change optimists mm -hmm. who um, they, they're starting to believe that change could be better, but they're not to the point where they believe it'll work for them. Mm -hmm. You know, they have hope, but they don't have, they're, they're not quite to the point of confidence. Yeah. Um, and then there are, uh, you know, the people who embrace change, who the, the action takers, who are in the process of change. Mm -hmm. They're starting to see the results. They're starting to believe it. They're starting to, you know, do what they need to do um, to, to follow the path of change. And then the final one I would say are the change agents. And, and I really see myself as one of these mm -hmm. people and the change, the change agents are the ones who know the value of change and they're, 
they like process improvement. They like making change. They like transformation. They seek it out because they know the value ahead of time. Right. And, and I think over the life of a person and depending on the type of change, we can be in any four of these boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think people can move throughout. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking about because it's it is and it's almost it almost looks like a whole process of you know being initially being resistant to change then be, then being an optimist that uh, it might work and then I see some results and then I'm happy to keep on going and I embrace it and then I really become a change agent so it can be seen that way I guess as well. Absolutely. If if you go through change well, that is the, the path mm-hmm. that people will follow. Um, everybody, everybody, if it's a significant change, everybody's first reaction is fear. Right. And for some people, that fear may only last two seconds. And for some, it may last, they may never get out of it. Um, but the first reaction is always, it's just a gut reaction that we have. It's our, it's our primal instinct. So that's always the first reaction anybody has. Um, but for successful change, you go through the whole cycle. In in changes that are not as smooth as we would like, which happens often, sometimes people go revert back. So they'll yeah. be going through change, they'll be optimistic, they'll start to see results, they'll hit a plateau or wall, something mm-hmm. unexpected, and they'll start to sink back a little bit. Yeah. And and then, unfortunately, there's lots of times that change fails, um, and it's because people never really get out of one of those first two phases. Mm -hmm. What? Because you said you you think you are, or you say about yourself, you define yourself as a change agent. Um, Have you always been a change agent, you think, or... How did you become, how do you become a change agent? I think part of it has always been there. Um, Mm -hmm. I grew up in a family where we moved every two or three years. Um, I lived in a lot of different houses. I went to a lot of different schools. I was constantly around, you know, new people in new environments. So I think part of that was just my upbringing. Mm -hmm really taught me to seek out the good in change um i and i have a natural curiosity for learning and improving and how can we do this better so i think that's an inherent um part of me right but it's also it's also a mental focus um one of the big things about change is you need to really focus on what you're gaining from it rather than what you're giving up because in every change, you're giving up something to get something else. Right. And I find, I find a lot of the people who struggle with it are so focused on the stuff they know they're giving up. And they're not willing to risk the stuff they might gain. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're very risk adverse about the, you know, that what they see is a wager. Yeah. And so they're just focused on, you know, giving up that comfort. Um, and it, it's a mental shift and, ex- and experience to really start to focus more on and to live in the idea of, you know, focusing on what I'm going to gain from this. What is my life going to look like after this? What are all the advantages? 
and really embracing that and knowing that if you embrace it, it's not a might. It's a, if I follow through with this, I will be successful. Mm -hmm. Hearing you talk about it. So there's, there's the fear, the fear around change is the fear of the unknown of what's on the other side, but also the fear of loss fear of losing the the things that I'm used to the things that give me comfort the things that I like maybe what what does it take what do you think would be the skills that someone needs to be able to overcome these fears let's say more more easily than someone else Um, you, you need to get used to being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So as you said, it's, it is the comfort. Um, if you've ever heard of David Goggins, um, yeah, yeah he just released a book uh, recently. He's been featured in other books. He has a blog. He's a very big um, name. He's a Navy SEAL who's retired. Um, he's the strongest endurance athlete in the world. And he talked a lot about how valuable it is to build discomfort into your life and how much strength that gives you and how much ability that gives you to really control your life and to really be able to kind of roll with the punches. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't think anybody has to go to that extreme to get comfortable with change. You don't have to, you know, embrace his lifestyle or start being an ultra marathoner <laughs> but even little things every little thing you do that makes you a little bit more uncomfortable opens you up to embracing change more so if you're uncomfortable with shifting your routine if you're you really like that you know monday to friday you do the exact same thing every day and even on the weekends you have a very stable routine you can start by making a small change. You know, Saturday morning, if you normally get up and you have your breakfast and you watch TV and then you go to the gym, instead, next Saturday, get up, skip breakfast, go straight to the gym, then have your breakfast. Mm-hmm. It's very minor. You're not removing anything from your life, but you're making a change. You're, you're mixing up your routine in a small way. You're making yourself a little bit uncomfortable. And you're seeing that in the scope of things, in the span of your day, it really doesn't make that much difference. Exactly. It doesn't make that much difference. And at the same time, it does make a lot of difference in how we perceive change or maybe in, in being less resistant to it. Absolutely. So for myself, I'm an introvert um, by nature. That's, you know, that's my personality trait. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times I feel uncomfortable in social situations, especially new social situations. Yeah. So I'll go out and I'll go to, you know, a very crowded farmer's market or something where I know there's going to be a lot of people and I know I don't really want to go there because the idea makes me uncomfortable. And then, you know, the next week I'll go to the movies by myself or I'll go to another situation that, you know, I'm not really risking anything. There's nothing but it makes me uncomfortable. And every time I do this, it's a little less uncomfortable. It's a little less scary. Yeah, exactly. And at least it doesn't trigger those life and death 
survival instincts, right? Because you, you kind of, you start to get used to it more and more. And it's not, maybe it's not, it's not fear, it's not panic anymore. It's just, okay, I feel uncomfortable, but that's fine. I can deal with it. And I think part of that is self-talk as well, um, because our brain, there is this, you know, the amygdala in the back of our brain, this reptilian part of our brain that does have that fear response. Yes. And it's up to us and our conscious brain to stop and realize I'm not in danger. There's no reason for this response. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be injured here. And to just tell yourself it's going to be okay. You know, I can breathe slowly. I can do this. I'm going to survive it. It's not going to hurt me in the next five minutes, hour, day, whatever. It's going to be over and, you know, I'll be stronger because of it. And when we do that self-talk, when we talk ourselves down and encourage ourselves and remember that there's nothing to be feared, it's, it's much easier to reduce that panic. Yeah. And bring it to, to a level that's, okay for you that's manageable to you absolutely how did you work with yourself into becoming a good change agent what were the skills that were strong in you that allowed you to be maybe a natural change agent okay you talked about your experience of moving places and change this kind of change location being part of your life as you were a child but what skills do you feel were in you already strong or what skills became strong during those years that allowed you to become a, a strong change agent um a few years ago i was working with a company that used um a service called strength finders Mm -hmm. uh, strength testing of all of their employees to see what we were best at what our top strengths were and yeah. and they measure them out of 100 or so and they tell you your top five and my top ones were um ideation input learner and the names are a bit silly but <laughs> basically what it meant was that I was really good at um, coming up with new ideas, brainstorming. I really liked having input into the big picture, being involved with discovering new processes, and I really enjoyed learning new things. Mm -hmm. And so with those strengths, the, the strengths and the skills kind of go hand in hand. You know, I was, I, I tended yeah. to become really strong at things like process improvement and brainstorming and um, working with teams in order to solve problems, figuring out, you know, where the problems are and how to do that sort of investigation and problem solving into change. Um, and the other two of my top five strengths were responsibility and achievement. And mm -hmm. those have really helped me, particularly as an entrepreneur, because those those key areas make me feel responsible for anything I take on, and they make me feel like I want attainable results. I want to see achievement. I want to see uh, you know myself or the people that I'm working with achieve tangible results from the work that we're doing. 
And so that's really helped me develop my self-motivation and my accountability and my time management and those key um, self-management tools that are important both for entrepreneurship and for change management. Mm-hmm. And were there any, I call them strong skills muscles and dormant skills muscles. The dormant, I don't, I don't like the, um, the idea of weaknesses. I just think that maybe they, those are muscles that we haven't used for a while. This is the way I look at, I look at it. So in, in this process of, okay, you decided you are going to be an entrepreneur and you are going to help people go through change and become a, a and coach them on how to go through a whole change process was any was there any particular skill or were there any particular skills that you felt you needed more of and that weren't there just yet for you and what were they and how did you develop those well before i ever got into um, this area i i had already been working on some of those that i really needed and and one of the key ones for me has been communication um, growing up i was painfully shy mm-hmm. I remember my first job at 16, like being told I didn't speak loud enough. (laughs) You know, I was, I was painfully shy. I didn't want to deal with customers that approached me. I couldn't imagine, you know, trying to sell my services. Um, So community, verbal communication was really a struggle. Presentation skills, that sort of stuff was very weak for me. And it wasn't until I got into, um, it was project accounting and I was starting to have to do presentations for directors and vice presidents. And my boss said, you know, if you're going to be doing this and you want to be successful in your career, you need to work on a skill. And he suggested Toastmasters, um, which is an international organization that really helps you develop communication and presentation and even leadership skills. Yeah. And even time management and all of this. And they teach you you how to do a proper board meeting and they teach you all sorts of different things. Um, And you can do Toastmasters is is amazing for also speaking, whether it's presentations for work or it's public speaking or it's interviewing people or it's uh, telling stories. They do a storytelling course like you can you can do it for pretty much any aspect of verbal communication. So I joined Toastmasters and I was part of that program for three years um, and I became a competent communicator and a competent leader. And so I went through their courses for that. And it, without that skill, I wouldn't be where I am today. Uh, absolutely something that I definitely needed to strengthen and that is critical to success in my business. Mm-hmm. How was that process for you how how did you feel that process going from maybe you weren't resistant to that kind of change because you chose to go to toastmasters and become part of 
their organization so you improve your skill but how did you get from beginner level from being an optimist about it to becoming a change agent well it's 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 daunting right you're going into the group um with anywhere from 15 to 30 people that you don't know and you're being asked to speak in front of them which is something that you know you you don't do well at and that makes you nervous (laughs) so it can seem very daunting um but similar to a a coach environment they they mentor you up with somebody so you have somebody there that you can rely on who can coach you mentor you provide advice they'll review your speeches with you they'll you know they'll really sort of encourage you to just embrace it um and and similar to a good change plan they start off with easy stuff (laughs) so your very first speech that you have to do is called an icebreaker and it's just talking about your you know your background a little bit and it, it, it gives them a good chance to get to know you and it's something that most people can speak easy about without anything because you know we live it every day so it's different than rehearsing a presentation for work and you start off you know it's only three to five minutes it's about your background you can use notes you can do whatever you want and so it's kind of daunting but you get through it and everybody's congratulating you and they're applauding you and you feel that quick win and you know that you did it and then the next time you feel like it's going to be a little bit easier but the next speech is a little teeny bit more challenging Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then and that's the whole way that the process goes so you're, you're constantly getting these wins that are encouraging you to keep going and you're constantly getting a little bit harder so that you're making a slow progressive change even for you know a transformation rather than just you know, tomorrow you need to go speak in front of 200 people for 20 minutes and hear your presentation and then go have fun exactly and yeah and you've never done it before and go enjoy it i think maybe the uh the secret is also that it's uh, it's regular meetings so you get to practice regularly it's just it's not just once or twice before that big presentation and then you kind of get to see those results in in real life because we don't when we think about i do a lot of um, coaching on presentations and public speaking with with people i coach them on that and the first thing i say is look you present and you do public speaking basically every day of your life because you talk to people you present yourself when you go to a meeting and people don't know you you say something about yourself like you just mentioned now the icebreaker that's the icebreaker that you do or you go to a job interview you speak about yourself you market yourself you throw your your best pitch in there so there's a lot of similarities of what we do in real life on presentations, public speaking, with actually presenting in a more formal environment. But if we think about it consciously and we practice more regularly, then it's not going to be that bad. It's not going to produce that kind of panic, maybe. 
Yeah, I think one of the weaknesses of Toastmasters is in some cases, there's not enough exposure to that real life. Mm -hmm. Because when you start speaking in front of these people, after you do so many speeches, you get, and they speak in front of you as well. Right. You, you know, it's, it's more of a sense of shared vulnerability and you know each other and it becomes a bit of a safe space. Mm -hmm. So if you don't continually push the skills out into the real world, you'll you'll experience less success from it. Yeah. So I was very lucky that I had to learn had to use those skills at work as well. Yeah. Exactly. Because you know, if you if you try to do something in isolation or in a safe space mm -hmm. or with a small group, it can seem like you're changing and you're doing really well, but then as soon as you face regular routines, real life challenges, other unexpected things, or you're outside of your comfort zone, it can start to fall apart again. Yeah, that's true. It's how you're able to apply it in real life that matters. That's when learning really is there. It's embedded. Absolutely. Okay, so going back to your experience as an entrepreneur, I was thinking about it because I was talking to other entrepreneurs, but not just entrepreneurs, basically also professionals changing careers or changing jobs. How was that beginning for you? How was that change, that particular change for you? Were you afraid? What, what were you afraid of and how did you get past this? Um, I was really fortunate uh, in the way that it happened for me because I started, I had a very good job. Um, other than the demanding hours, I really loved my job. And I started doing this writing as sort of on the side. I can do it after my daughter's asleep at night. I can do it on the weekends. I can do it in my spare time. And maybe I can potentially build this up into something that's full time. And then um, six weeks later, <laughs> I had I had a client basically say, uh, we want five articles a week starting okay. next week. And and that that was like I couldn't do that anymore as that was full time for me. So at that point, it was accept this and quit my corporate job or turn the client down, lose this opportunity and hope that I can still slowly grow later. So I really had that, you know, um, stop or go decision that I had to make. And I was, I was nervous, but I was confident and I was really excited about the possibility. And so I was really focused on that possibility and that excitement i wasn't focused on that but what if it doesn't work okay. <laughs> so, so i said yes and uh and i quit my job and two weeks later i had my last day at work and i was full time so it, it all happened very quickly and i was really wrapped up in the excitement of it and it wasn't actually until a couple of months later that i started to feel some of the fear <laughs> <laughs> okay and how did you handle it then um at that point i realized that you know if i lost this one client what would i do 
And so, or what happened if I got really sick and I couldn't work for two weeks? Or what happens if I want to go on vacation? Or, you know, I, I really started to realize that it, it wasn't long-term sustainable. And that sustainability aspect is what made me start to feel fear. So at that point, um, I actually invested in my own coach and said, you know, I, I don't know how to grow based on my current capacity, but I need to be able to take on a more diversified work so that I'm not so reliant on, you know, what if I lose one source of income or what if I lose one client? So I didn't know how to solve that problem on my own. So I found a coach who could help me through it and, and just reaching out and getting that expert support helped me through the fear because I wasn't, you know, stumbling around in the dark myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So actually, I mean, I was thinking as you were saying that I was thinking in this case, even if it was fear and maybe in most cases, even if it is fear, it's actually helpful because it makes you think about problems, maybe about something wrong that may appear in your life. And then, but it also helps you seek out solutions maybe if i don't have a solution maybe somebody else might help me find it so i think fear was and might be depending how you look at it a good change agent absolutely and it it comes back a bit to that um that self-talk and that self-awareness because as i've gone through that over the years I've, I can acknowledge and I can identify fears that um, are real versus the ones that aren't. So I can acknowledge, you know, I'm afraid to go into the social situation, but that's silly. <laughs> and it's, you know, there's no threat there. And it's just, you know, my, my mental offset that I need to work on versus the fear that what happens if I lose part of my income? Oh, this could be a real fear. Yeah. So it's part of the realizing that not all fears are the same and they don't all deserve the same reaction or the same, um, you know, level of fear. Yeah. No, that's a very good point. Yeah, absolutely. I had a question for you. I really wanted to ask you who did you want to be when you were little? Um, <laughs> I, when I was little, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Okay. And then how did you end up in management and then project <laughs> management and change management? Um, I, I love animals. I absolutely, I love working with them. I love being around them. I have since I was like itty bitty. Um, so I was convinced that I wanted, I wanted to be a veterinarian. I wanted to work with animals. And I remember I was probably 14 or 15. And my dad said to me, he said, okay, well, if that's what you think you want to do, go volunteer at the veterinary hospital and make sure this is what you want. And so I did. And the first day I was there, I realized I cannot do this. <laughs> Why was that? Uh, um, part of it was just the 
the antiseptic or something that they were using gave me a horrible headache. Um, and part of it was just the, the knowledge that people bring in healthy animals to have them put to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized I, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. And if I worked in that environment, I'd end up with a house of like, you know, a hundred animals cause I just wanted them all <laughs> home. So <laughs> between the concern of, you know, the emotional toll and the fact that, that working there literally gave me a headache, I realized I needed to find a new career path. Um, but after that, I was lost for a long time. I, I thought I was going to be a scientist. I started doing chemistry and biology and psychology and that sort of stuff. Then I thought maybe I'd be a lawyer, but then I didn't want to do seven years of university. Um, so then I, I ended up doing management basically because it just really, something about it really interested me. I really liked learning about it and I thought that there's and kind of a broad opportunity there. People need management in every field, in every walk of life. Yeah. And it was probably also related to your um, innate skills of, or strong, strong skills, muscles of um, ideation and learning, right? Absolutely. It's not routine. Um, uh, even though I did accounting, and I'm, you know, I did quite well at accounting. Accounting is very routine. You tend to do the same thing over and over and over again. You have four week cycles and yeah. that really doesn't match who I am or what I want to do. I really like new challenges, new developments, mm-hmm. learning new things and management, especially project management and change management. It's always evolving because you're, you're dealing with different people and different issues yeah so two two people could have the exact same problem but it's going to be a different change process for each one of them because we're all individuals absolutely plus change is the is the constant right exactly it's it's always there around us and it it's true it depends on how we look at it individually to be able to go through through it I was wondering what, because you've worked with a lot of uh, people and taking them through, through change processes, um, do you have one that's particularly, that was particularly challenging and that you're extremely proud of how you dealt with? Um, I think the most challenging ones, to be honest, are the organizational ones. Uh, you know, personal change really comes down to how, how driven are you to do this change and how persistent are you willing to be, yeah. um, to really see it through. But the, the complexity with an organizational change is that you're, you're dealing with a change that involves many people and they're going to be at all levels of the scale on dedication and persistence and and what sort of change um, personality that they're embracing at the time. Right. So, so that's the big challenge because you want to plan change based around the people involved, even for an organization, you still need to, um, it's still a personal thing, right? It's people going through this change. 
and you really need to lead them and support them and help them through that process. And the more people you bring into it, the more difficult that is. So I've been through uh, two significant organizational changes, um, both times Mm -hmm. with, you know, a thousand or more people involved and as both times changing uh, processes, changing organizational functions, changing the way they do things, in some cases changing who they report to, changing their software, um, really transformational almost from the ground up within the company. And that's the sort of change that it takes everybody to make it successful. So there's often change consultants like myself, there's there's change um, advocates within the company, there's project teams who help manage the change. In one case, we also had a communication team that really helped us um, communicate because that's such an important part of change is that you know, continuous communication. Um, and then just really the support and the training and all of that that's involved for everybody that's impacted. Yeah. It's really a, a huge process to undertake. Yeah, exactly. I think this is why um, this is why I say it's all personal. Nothing is just business because really businesses are as good as the people that work in that particular business, in that particular organization. And then those people bring everything that they have. They bring their values with them. They bring their beliefs with them. They bring their fears with them. And in a change process, that's going to be especially visible. Absolutely. And if you try to implement that kind of change without embracing the people and really helping them through it, you'll lose them. You'll either literally lose them to other companies or they'll just start checking out and their work will suffer and your company will suffer. Exactly. Is there one thing that you're most proud of today so far in your in your life in or in your business? The the thing that I'm the most proud of is the fact that I'm able to have this business of my own where I, you know, my daughter thinks that this is like a normal life. Um, she she has no idea that it's abnormal for her mother to be able to take her to school and pick her up from school and volunteer at school and just seem to be around all the time. Um, you know, she, she doesn't know what it's like to be what a lot of kids and parents and families have to go through when one parent or both parents have to work that nine to five corporate on call on demand late hours lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really proud that I'm here for her and, and also that I get to be this role model to show her and to show others that you can achieve that work-life balance. That's what it means actually having a life <laughs> that, that work-life <laughs> balance <laughs> Before we end our conversation, because we're drawing to an end and I feel like this is, this has been such a, such an interesting discussion and we've touched on so many good points. 
And before we end it, I want to ask you if you have any inspirational thought or, or it can be a quote, an idea, a book, anything that you want to share with people listening today. Um, one thing that really speaks to me is a quote um, from David Allen, and it's, you can do anything, but not everything. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times when people fail at change, it's because we're trying to do too much. Where You can do anything you put your mind to, but you can't do it all. So if you're trying to bring something new into your life, you probably need to let something go. If you're, you know, um, it, it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert. That's what people say. On average, 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. So you can't spend 10,000 hours becoming a master painter and a master guitar player and a master accountant and whatever else. Like, we just physically don't have the time. So you could probably do any yeah. one of those things, but you need to really... realize what do you value most what is the most important to you and you really need to be willing to give up other things in order to do it right focus and practice right absolutely absolutely it was great talking to you thank you so much jessica for being our guest at all personal Thank you, Roxana. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. And I hope we get to continue this conversation maybe sometime in the future as well, because I think we should do it in parts. <laughs> it can go, it can take us places. We haven't had enough time. It's definitely an in-depth <laughs> topic for sure. Yeah. So I would love to come back if the uh, opportunity comes up in the future. Thank you so much, Jessica. Thank you. I don't know about you, but this talk right here reassured me that, well, the fact that I choose different routes to and from work means that I practice change bit by bit and step by step, literally. Or that when I put myself out there every day and I feel uncomfortable in certain situations, that's gonna actually help me manage my reaction to change a bit better. So I will also remember that not all fears are the same and not all of them deserve the same reaction. And I will forever remember that it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert. As Jessica's inspirational quote goes by David Allen, you can do anything, but not everything. And I have one quote I also love from Jessica. When you want something enough to invest 10,000 hours into it, you can excel at it. Even if you don't think you have any natural ability, Brandon Burlsworth is the perfect example. If you haven't heard his story, go check out the movie Greater. It's on Netflix right now. And as Jessica suggested that, 
I'll just go now and look up this movie and I will, as usual, make it all personal. How about you? Until next time.